Here is the latest Higher Summits forecast brought to you by our friends at the Mount Washington Observatory. Weather above treeline in the White Mountains is often wildly different than at our trailheads. Before you hike, check the Higher Summits forecast at mountwashington.org. Weather observers working at the nonprofit Mount Washington Observatory write this elevation-based forecast every morning and afternoon. Search and rescue teams, avalanche experts, and backcountry guides all rely on the Higher Summits forecast to anticipate weather conditions above treeline. You should too. Go to mountwashington.org or text FORECAST to 603-356-2137. And here is your forecast for Friday, February 16th and Saturday, February 17th. There's an alert. Wind chill advisory in effect from Friday night through Saturday. So let's see what's going on here. Friday, in the clouds with snow early, becoming a chance of snow showers midday, then mostly in the clear under partly cloudy skies late. Additional snow accumulations of 1 to 4 inches are possible. With a high in the mid-single digits, winds will be southwest shifting northwest late at 55 to 70 miles per hour, with gusts up to 85 miles per hour. And the wind chill will be falling to 25 below to 35 below. Friday night, in the clear early, then becoming in and out of the clouds under partly cloudy skies with a chance of snow showers. Possible snow accumulations of a trace to one inch, with a low around five below. Winds will be northwest at 55 to 70 miles per hour early, decreasing to 35 to 50 miles per hour with gusts up to 65 miles per hour. Wind chill will be falling to 35 below to 45 below. Yikes. And Saturday, mostly in the clouds early, then trending towards in and out of the clouds under partly sunny skies, with a high around zero degrees early, decreasing to around 10 below late. Winds will be northwest, shifting west at 35 to 50 miles per hour, with gusts up to 65 miles per hour. And the wind chill Saturday will be 35 below to 45 below. studio in the great state of new hampshire welcome to the sounds like a search and rescue podcast where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the white mountains of new hampshire here are your hosts mike and stump Right, we are on episode 140, Stomp. 
140. That's we're getting there, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I'm spoiled right now. I'm listening to the background music that you can't hear. <laughs> oh, you'll listen to the intro music? Yeah, it was a fluke though. I oh. had it unmuted in the background. So uh, I would be so pumped. I know I'm like, dancing right now. Yeah, we're so like old school analog. Sometimes I listen to that just on I have that on my like my mix and sometimes I'll listen to that just as a standalone. I'll be like, I'm in a stomp vibe that today. Is, I'm gonna turn on Oh, that's a great song. It really is. What is it called again? Water pots. Water pots. Yep. Water pots. Yeah, and what so. what people are hearing is the instrumental version. There is a vocal that goes with the whole thing, but uh, oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's good stuff. Awesome vocal version. Maybe we'll release it to the public at some point. Oh my God! You should get like uh, Mariah <laughs> Carey to sing it. Do a do a or do a Taylor Swift even better. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, Taylor Swift, that'd be great. We're going to talk about Taylor Swift in a little while when we get to Valentine's Day. But um, right. so, Stomp, the the weather forecast is insane. Of course, I picked this weekend to do an overnight. But yeah. um, so we we experience early spring, and then the joke is always like, oh yeah, early spring means that you know you're going to have winter part two. And whole, good lord, do we have winter part two coming with this cold weather? Yeah, we sure do. We have some snow. We've got some bitter, bitterly cold temperatures, and um, yeah. like very sub-zero type of cold so you're you're heading up north eh yeah yeah we'll talk about that in a little while but um it looks like the windshield from what i can see the windshield is going to be like minus 35 minus 40 so that's the weather remember Uh when we did that like we did that uh lincoln woods to flume yeah we went over we went up osseo and over flume and liberty on that day where it was like minus 40 windshield yes yeah it was absolutely insane yeah. yeah, that was burly. Yeah, for sure. I'd never forget that. That's not the type yeah. of weather I'd want to go out in. Like, I think that that was good when we were like testing our gear and just seeing, okay, how you know, do our gloves work? Do our boots work? Right, right. Now, now I know everything works, and now I'm like, I don't want to go out in that cold weather anymore. But I, I'm going out. So yeah, we'll I do see. think that was a safe approach too. You know, mostly you know you're on the lee side for that whole Osseo trip and then you just had that brief little excursion above Treeline um, at Flume and then down and in and then of course Liberty that wasn't too bad that's the way to do it no no I, I think that that is a good like if you're a winter hiker and you're looking to test your gear and you oh, and yeah. I know people say like oh stay home don't go out or whatever but you know this weekend you could you could absolutely go out and do that so we did Lincoln Woods up Osseo and then down Liberty Springs so we yeah. spotted a car but you could do an out and back too and just go up Liberty Springs uh, but but this yeah. is the type of weekend where like if you're gonna do something like don't go to Franconia Ridge don't go in any open tree line places but like Liberty and Flume is a good one because you can get up there quickly sort of test what it's like to be above tree line in those cold conditions and then get down really quick. Yeah, and then also think about the side of the, the mountain that you're on. If you're on that eastern side of a mountain, you're you're buffeted from the wind. You're protected by this massive wall of granite. If you're heading up, yeah. say, the... Um, the western side uh, going up Liberty, that would be a different ball game, you know? Yeah, Liberty is more exposed, but right. Liberty's also very easy to just duck back down. Yeah, on. true, true. Yep. Yeah. There's a number of summits like that, like Garfield's like that, um, the Salt Summit of Musalaki's like that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of places where you can go and say, say all right, it's going to be a crazy cold day. I'm going to test above tree line a little bit, but then get back down. Especially, the big thing for me is visibility. If there's no visibility, then... And it's freezing cold, then it's a no-go. Yeah. If you've got visibility and it's freezing cold, you want to test your gear, then 
go ahead, but like just don't go up above tree line for an extended amount of time. You know what I've been meaning to do is to test out a, a bothy bag, a single person bothy, and then a bivy, one of your small handheld bivy bags. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go out yeah. there in weather like this and just test that to see how good they work or not. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. Maybe yeah. I'll bring mine, uh, my my temporary bivy, and try that out this weekend. Yeah, they get back to me on it because uh, that'd be really great information. Yeah, yeah, I will. Um, all right, stop. So, welcome to episode one hundred and forty of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. This week, uh, we got no guests, so um, we're going to cover a bunch of different topics here. So, planning for a winter stay in an AMC hut. We've got snowmobile accidents. We've got Mount Everest news. We've got missing hikers. We got serial killers. We got a new movie about the legendary story of Don Fendler, who was a young boy. I think he was twelve years old when he went missing on Mount Katahdin in the summer of 1939 so um so that'll be kind of an interesting story there's a movie coming out on that and then we're going to cover a recent hike on mount pierce and mount jackson stomp thinks snowmobile season may be slowing down quite a bit in new hampshire we've got a bunch of notable hikes so we'll talk about like where people have gone hiking and then we've got recent search and rescue news so i'm mike and i'm stomp let's get started let's get started This is Ben Pease from Hiking Buddies. We are a 501c3 nonprofit committed to reducing avoidable tragedies through education, impactful projects, and fostering a community of support. You can find out more at hikingbuddies.org. We wanted to say thank you to those who have supported our mission, and most importantly, say thanks to those who speak up, who ask questions, and who are willing to provide guidance and assistance on the trails when needed. You embody what it means to be a hiking buddy. And now, for all my newer hikers out there, here's this episode's Hiking Buddies Quick Tip. Leave no trace principle number one. Plan ahead and prepare. Use trail guides and maps to plan the route, weather forecasts, trail conditions, water levels, and appropriate gear. Right, thank you, hiking buddies. So, are you gonna make sure you don't leave any traces, Stomp? Yeah, leave no traces. Yep, especially poop. Oh yes, yeah, we're <laughs> gonna talk about that in a minute. Um, all right, Stomp. So this first one's a snowmobile story. So snowmobile are pinned under a burning sled. So oh. for people that don't snowmobile, people like people that do snowmobile, they they call their snowmobile sleds. Yes, that's right. This is like you don't want to hear this if you want to go snowmobiling for the first time. <laughs> but uh, this is the stuff that uh, horrible dreams are made out of nightmares. Yeah, and so this happened uh, in Stewartstown, New Hampshire. I don't know where that is. I'm assuming it's up north near Pittsburgh or something. But 73-year-old Connecticut man. I've stopped. uh, Feel free to call me on if I'm wrong here. I feel like there's a lot of Connecticut and Rhode Island people that that, like crash snowmobiles and ATVs up in New Hampshire. Yeah, it's a good question. I think you're probably right, but um, I haven't uh, really kept track. Is that what you've you've noticed on the reports? 
Yeah, yeah. I yeah. seem like there's, there's a trend there. Interesting. Connecticut, Rhode Island. They can't. I mean, they can't drive, so it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of rentals anyway. too. A lot of rentals yeah. get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, horrible drivers on the road, then horrible drivers on snowmobiles. So, anyway, seventy-three year old Connecticut man, and I believe me, I love all my Connecticut friends. So, like, don't come at me, Lynn. Don't come at me, Joanne or John. <laughs> you know, I love you guys, but. You can't try. Anyway, um, 73-year-old Connecticut man traveling downhill in field to stay on trail, causing a snowmobile to strike a tree and roll over onto him. Right. And then to, which know, let's, to let's just to, Let's just stop there. That's pretty bad. <laughs> but you're going to be going fast for that to happen, right? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Well, that's true because you could hit like a, if you get off the edge of a trail, then the, the sled could just flip right over, right? Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen them go right over on f- seemingly flat trail too, that you hit a divot uh-huh. and you lean the wrong way yeah. and it can go. Okay. But yeah, right. it gets well, worse. Anyway, so um, the guy, so he's he goes down trail. He doesn't stay on trail. Strikes a tree and it rolls over on him. And then uh, to add to the 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 embarrassment, it uh, the snowmobile caught on fire while the guy was stuck underneath of it. So luckily, several other people were riding. They were able to pull him out from under the flaming snow. So it's one of those things where it's like you know, yeah, a kid gets stuck under a car and his like ninety eight pound mom will like lift it up. So oh, the adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, they found that super strange. So yeah. he was taken to Upper Connecticut Valley Hospital in Colebrook, and then they actually they did dart helicopter him to UVN Medical Center in Burlington, Vermont, because of his injuries so serious yeah. injuries so um, you know you don't get messing around with burns if yeah. you got burns then it can be a oh, long recovery absolutely crush injuries maybe burns yeah but um, yeah I was talking to some of the snowmobile guys this weekend and it seems like some of the older sleds are prone to this type of phenomena um, just okay. the way they're built but yeah not a good story yeah yeah no that's good when I went snow the one time I went snowmobiling with my my buddies Driz and Zeus I won't re- use their real names, just their dude names. You know, Driz and Sue, the two knuckleheads, they, they, they flipped their sleds. Okay. Yeah, Not what, me, though. What kind of terrain were you on when it happened? We were up in the Forks in Maine. I think I've told this story before, oh, but they, okay. like, this, these guys, were, like, they would rent, like, Dodge Vipers and just drive up to Vermont in a day just to go, like, 150 miles. You know, they one of those Massachusetts people that would go fast on 93. Mm-hmm. But they... You know, we went. We rented snowmobiles, and I drove dirt bikes and four wheelers and stuff my whole life. So I had a healthy respect for motor vehicles, or like you know those kind of vehicles. They decided that they were gonna. We were riding around the forks, having a good time. They decided they were gonna go out on this frozen lake, and I was like, "Well, I don't know whether that's a good idea." So I stayed on the trail. They went off onto the lake, and they were flying. Yeah, and then. I went, I went up on the trail, and then I noticed it was one of those bridges with the, you know, the wooden like, um, it's got like two wooden wooden um, things for the wheels of trucks, but then yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Ball, it drops down. Correct. It was one of those bridges, so I turned around, and I was like, oh, I'm going to warn those guys because you could come off of the lake and then go right on the trail and go really fast, and you wouldn't see the bridge until it's not... I almost didn't slow down in time because it came up really fast. So I went, turned back around, went to go, like, wave them, and I was, like, waving them down as they went past me, and mm-hmm. they just, like, they just laughed, and then they went flying into that bridge, and then they were both too close to each other, and both of them flipped their snowmobiles. Hmm. 
Yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. It happens. And it was like, yeah, one of them got like pretty badly like knocked out. And the, but then we were able to like flip the snowmobiles back over and get them running. But the, the day was ruined. Sure. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I can understand. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. Stop. So moving on. So just be safe on the snowmobiles, people. Here's a yeah. little update. Yeah, this is a good update. I'm yeah, so Stomp has been keeping an eye on this wolf situation. So California wolves have been... Is this the, the wolves that were released recently? Is that what's going on? Yeah, they were. I know we talked about different areas to different states, but this is a story that we may not have covered, but it's the same situation where they're trying to repopulate certain uh, species. And um, yeah. since August, apparently in California, these wolves have... Uh, killed 18 animals, including cattle. <laughs> and so it's an interesting story. But I, you know, if you read deeper into it, they do reimburse the farmers that lose their cattle or their livestock. So really? I guess that's a good thing. But still, you have these killer wolves that are just starting to repopulate. <laughs> I'm actually surprised. I would have thought it would have been more animals. I mean, the wolves <laughs> got to be hungry. Um, well, since August, it's not... I mean, given the fact that the cattle are somewhat protected and monitored, I suppose yeah. I think that's a pretty big number. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, they should just like leave a couple of cows roaming around in the wolves' territory <laughs> to just keep them How fat about and decoys. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Robot why not? cows roaming around. <laughs> Or just like, yeah, I mean, or maybe just put like um, cameras on them so when they yeah, film that. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if they have GPS trackers on them. I bet uh, they would. Well, they, I, I have seen video or, or like or articles about the wolves uh-huh. with GPS tracking. And it's funny, like in, in Canada, they'll have like six packs of wolves. And you can see like if, if it's in like the their territory is a square, mm-hmm. you can see the wolves will stay within their own territories. Gotcha. So they'll have different colors of the GPS tracks. And it'll show like six perfectly aligned rectangles in a in a larger rectangle to show that the wolves don't go into each other's territory <laughs> that's fascinating yeah wow. so they must pee all around the perimeter and then the other wolves know like oh this isn't this isn't my pack's pee <laughs> you're right exactly. i gotta stay out of there yeah like the gray oh that movie's so good yes. very territorial um all right, Stomp. So this is the part of the show where you put in, you want to talk about Valentine's Day. So wh- yeah, what could you possibly it. have to, to give to the audience that they would care about Valentine's Day? Well, I mean, as a guy, just the yeah. fact that I survived. I mean, I made it yeah, through another Valentine's I did okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm patting myself on the uh, the shoulder. Like, yeah, I did all right. I made it. Yeah. I uh, ended up getting tickets to uh, Ice Castles, which was funny. It was sort of a tongue-in-cheek. Ooh purchase yeah. but we actually had a really nice time the um, the new location's fantastic in Woodstock I remember going several years ago and I said I'd probably never go again but that was when it was in Lincoln and that's why it was sort of a funny gift but it worked out good but uh, the new farm it's on in Woodstock is phenomenal there's so much to do yeah, it looks would, nice oh yeah I would check it out there are these magical nighttime walks in the forest with all these lights and horse carriage rides and sledding hills it's really cool Great they time. The, yeah, the special lights and stuff. I saw yeah. like, one of my friends oh, it's posted great. something on social media. Well worth it. Well worth it, for sure. That's good. And I got, got a uh, Sherpa ant from Mrs. Stomp. Remember oh, we, you did? Yeah, remember we were talking about how I wish I had the um, the Pemi Loop drawing that she had oh, done, the, yes. the print? So yep. 
I got a Premi Loop to complement my Prezi Traverse. So that Ooh, was super that's cool. Not bad. Yeah, that's awesome. Pretty neat. Wow. Well, I didn't. I didn't beat you, Stomp. Me and, me and Mrs. Mike went to Home Depot for Valentine's Day. Hey, that can be romantic, though. What are you working on? She was fiddling around in her in her closet, and she pulled down a shelf. So I had the shelves like I. I didn't when I, the, the way the shelves align. I wasn't able to um, screw them into studs, so yeah. I had those like plastic anchors, and they've held for pretty, oh, yeah, a yeah, pretty yeah. good amount of time. But Mrs. Mike was fiddling; she <laughs> shouldn't be fiddling. I told her not to fiddle, and she Don't like touch. pulled the, the shelf down yeah. uh, by leaning on it. So we had to go to Home Depot <laughs> for me to get a one by twelve to essentially like now I got I took everything down, and I've got to put a, a nailer board. I basically have to put a one by twelve. On the back of the closet, yeah. screw it into the studs, and then I can use that to screw the hanger and the shelf into the hanger board. So, right. So, a little and, carpentry. And then it'll be solid. Yeah. So, I got to paint it and make it look nice yeah. and everything. So, we would just do, we decided we were going to plan that out on Valentine's Day, which was fun. Hey, that's good. That's good couple time, though. Yeah, it was good, but yeah. we got our romance. We got our our fix of romance on Sunday when Taylor Swift won the Super Bowl. Oh, did she get the the uh, winning uh, kick? Yeah, she won the Super Bowl. <laughs> she did, according yeah. to the media. Yep, that's for sure. That was yeah. the big focus. Did you watch it? Did you watch the Super Bowl? I watched the halftime show and then I watched the last quarter up until it went into overtime. And then I said, "I am checking out." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What'd you think? Were you rooting for a particular team? No, no, no. I, I had zero, zero interest in anything going on with this. Um, I did watch oh. the halftime show. I thought that was fantastic. And I was mostly interested to see if they would do one of those quick cutaways to Taylor. But they didn't. That was yeah, interesting. Well, they cut away to her only when like her boyfriend catches a pass. Right. Exactly. Do you know her <laughs> boyfriend's name? Uh, Travis. Do you even know it? You, you know the last name? Kel- Kelsey. I guess. Okay, all right. You're, you're up there. Oh, yeah, now. yeah. I'm following. I'm following along. Okay. All right. Mr. Well, Pop I Culture. Know, I got to get you up to speed. If, if I invite you to the poker game with my friends, like you, you need to be able to like present yourself as knowing a little bit about sports. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass the I'll just hell tell out you. <laughs> I'll be like, stop. If they say anything, just tell them like... Go deep. You didn't... Uh, you don't... Just be, I would just be like, just tell them like you don't understand why San Francisco took the ball first in overtime, <laughs> and then you'd be okay. <laughs> Yeah, I can't do it. I just look at people that talk like that. It just, it just, I can't figure it out. I can't comprehend it. <laughs> it's so odd to me. But anyway, all right, Stomp. So moving on, uh, Valentine's Day, you know, we both survived. Um, so this is a story out of Mount Everest. So this has been going around quite a bit. I got this sent to me by a couple of friends. But uh, yeah. Mount Everest climbers have to carry um, special bags to take their uh, their poop on and or off the mountain. So yeah. basically, if you have to do any sort of nature calling, uh, you have to poop into a bag and then take that bag out with you. Um, and I don't know exactly how that works. Like, I never actually talked to anybody about, like, how they leave. Do they take a helicopter ride out? Do they hike out? I don't really know how that works. Yeah, I have no idea. But still, if you got to go, you got to carry it with you. I'm, I'm, you know, the what's shocking about this is that this is actually coming to light now. I thought this would have been the practice to begin with. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, but <laughs> but if you're so you're on Mount Everest, usually you're on for, for what is it like a three to three to six week period? You're usually there when you're when you're climbing. Is that right? Mm, 
I would think so, yeah. That's that could be a lot of poop. No kidding. Yeah, it, amidst all the trash issues that they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah I find yeah, it stunning. So, I'm surprised that they don't have like a latrine or some sort of, a, um, you know, like the toilets that we have in the White Mountains, like they, that they don't yeah. have some sort of a biodegradable toilet system at base camp. I'm not sure if that would work up there. Um, I know the ones up here work on what you have to add in uh, dirt or some topsoil on top of it for, for it to work. Yeah. I don't know if that like would bark be accessible. Mulch, use bark mulch. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if that would be accessible that high up, but it's, it says at lower altitudes, they typically dig holes, but man, that's tricky. Limited snow cover. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would guess like once bags. you start climbing, like once you're off base camp and you're doing like camp one, camp two, and you're acclimating and trying to go up, like I would imagine that you're not, you know, nature's not calling very frequently. Mm-hmm. I would think so too. But then again, that's probably something you would want to happen because it's definitely related to your hydration. And true, if you're true, not, yeah. then you may have an issue. But uh, yeah, interesting story. So it's like the, the extreme cold up there just prevents the uh, poop from degrading. Wow. Yeah, you would think that it would like, if, you fr- if it froze up, you could like smash it up into small little bits and eventually it would disappear. But I don't know. Mm, you got me. It's a brave new world. Oh, well. All right. Well, we'll do some research if we ever get to Mount Everest. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, all right. Next here, Stomp, you've got like, and, and just for the listeners, like this is a collection of all these different news stories and stuff that we wanted to talk about that we had included in shows that we had like the last three or four guests that we never got to. So this this is like a catch-up week for us to just yeah clean out our archives. Shoot um, breeze. I thought yeah, this was a right. nice article, actually. <laughs> what is it, Stomp? So it inter- they interview 14 centenarians. So those are people that live uh, greater than 100 years old and they're still alive. And each yep. of the interviews, they give their reasoning as to why they've lived so long over the years. And uh, we'll let you read it, but here are a couple of highlights. Um, a few of the tips were to choose the right life partner. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, do what you love. Another commonsensical idea. Um, get educated. Uh, that's that's an interesting one that you could probably talk about a little deeper. Um, stay true to your principles. And then here's another one. Be kind and tolerant. Basically, uh, low stress ideas to apply to your daily living, which it sort of looks like to me. Yeah, yeah, and I was reading this too, and like, there's some themes here that tie into our friend Martin. You know, he t- he's been on a couple of times to talk about sort of how hiking and um, mm. you know continuing to stay active sort of is the is the the fountain of youth. And there's one one profile they do in this article about a 107 year old gentleman from uh, Japan that continued to work and cut hair up until you know his he's actually doing it right now. So he's. He's 107 and he's still cutting hair, so he's still working, yeah. which is cool. Do you love what you do? <laughs> um, I do. So my job is, yeah, it's, it's probably, a great job. I love it. Yeah. Um, I love the people I work with. Is it the dream job? No, I think like doing what we do here. Like if you can make a, if we can make a, a living doing this and going out hiking and traveling, that would be ideal. But, sure, sure. You know got to pay the bills right yeah no just the fact they were able to do it to this small degree is pretty nice yeah yeah but exactly. i hear you make a make a couple bucks but you know we're not going to be able to retire off this podcast yeah yeah 
Um, all right, stop. So next one is a, a sad story here. Missing hikers remains found in Joshua Tree National Park. So we covered this story uh, a while back. So this yeah. goes back to May of 2023. So a man who had disappeared nearly a year ago on a long hike in Joshua Tree National Park left behind only a backpack. So um, they've now discovered skeletal remains uh, as of January 25th along the... Uh, and they, the coroner believes that these belong to Trammell Evans, a 25-year-old hiker who was missing in the park about three and a half hours south of Las Vegas. Yeah. So this gentleman was last seen when he was dropped off at the Black Rock campground around April 30th. He was then reported overdue and returning to his trip on May 5th. <clears throat> his friends created a Facebook page called Fine Tram, and they posted information on Sunday saying that they are saddened to share that the remains of Tram Evans have been discovered near Covington Flats in Joshua Tree National Park. It looks like he succumbed to complications related to alcohol withdrawal. This is where this gets interesting. Yeah. In his final journal entry, filled with optimism but also concern regarding the symptoms of withdrawal, Tram expressed his love for everyone, reminded us that love is what life is all about. He sought healing through being in nature but underestimated the challenges of his condition. Wow. Um, so they, Incredible. They, they went on to thank the community for their unwavering support as well as the um, Fowler O'Sullivan Foundation and Joshua Tree National Park Service for their helps and they're, they're asking for privacy. So that's interesting that they disclosed that essentially it looks like he was going out there to try to detox himself. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is it's not an easy thing to do. And my understanding, yeah. I, I, I mean, I got plenty of alcoholics in my family, but I, I don't know a lot about I don't know specifically. My understanding is detoxing from alcohol is one of the most difficult drugs to, to detox off of. Yeah, from what I understand, too. Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah, sad story. I wish that, um, you know, he could, he could go. I'm sure he wishes he'd go back in time and maybe get some medical guidance on that instead of just going out into nature. But, I mean, I guess right inclination, it's just from a medical perspective, not a good idea. Yeah, right. And another downer of a story. This is interesting, though. I thought you might like this, Mike, because you're into all this type of stuff. Yeah, I got some opinions here. So why don't you why don't you share the story? This is a serial killer story. <clears throat> yeah. Right? Well, there's suspicion that there's a serial killer, uh, p- perhaps, on the loose in uh, Aust- in or near Austin. So ten bodies have been found. Aust- Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Correct. Ten bodies have been found in an Austin lake over the past twenty months. And um, this is actually this is Inside Edition. I had pulled one local to the area that was a little bit different. Um, but um, yeah, apparently they're they're finding bodies in this area. This Ladybird Lake apparently stretches six miles through the Texas capital, making it appear more like a river than a lake. And uh, it goes on to list the names and um, some minor descriptions. But uh, yeah, what's your take on it? I think uh, so. We've covered stories like this in the past because there's been a lot of rumors over the years that there's a serial killer uh, operating in Boston or along the Merrimack River. Yeah. I think in general, people tend to in in urban environments where there's water, 
people tend to fall in, whether it's like through suicide or it's through um, alcohol, <laughs> too much consumption of alcohol, yeah. or you know, sometimes there is foul play involved as well. But mm-hmm. what I've seen in most of these cases, so there's been like I think Cincinnati claimed that they had a serial killer. Whenever there's these claims of serial killers along bodies of water in urban environments. I tend to see, you know, you read into these articles and you start looking at the names and the circumstances of the people that are put together as potential victims. And it's always like, you know, accidental drownings, suicide attempts, and then there's some that are unresolved or, you know, occasionally they'll have yeah. a foul play situation that they're investigating. But it's it's like they put everything in the kitchen sink yeah. into the explanation for why there's a serial killer, but they serial killers tend to have consistent patterns that you can put together pretty easily. So yeah. I'm always skeptical in these stories. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, by the way, as a spur thing, did you see that aged progression of Mara Murray? I did. What did yeah. you think of that? I did she look like Amy Schumer? She did. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was going around like Schumer. doppelganger. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think Mara's alive, uh, yeah. but it would be, I mean, it would be interesting to see what she looks like now. Well, there you go. She's a, a famous comic, apparently. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think one other thing about this, sort of these drowning deaths. I lost my train of thought now, Stomp, because you asked me about Mara Murray. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's it. That's all I got to say on it. All right. All right. Well... We shall see if it's a serial killer or if it's just a bunch of people just getting in trouble out there, doing what they love. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so this next one, a story oh. out of Hudson, New Hampshire. This was breaking news like, last week. We were going to cover this, but we just got into I was uh, way more interested in talking uh, with Patrick about my Washington. But oh, sure. we had a car crash into a New Hampshire restaurant with customers dining inside. So if that happened to you and you were dining, would you insist on like getting your a free meal? <laughs> right, no, not at all. Uh that's such a strange. What what happened? I mean, I would be absolutely in shock, and I'd paying my bill would be the last thing I'd be thinking about. Yeah, I think. Let me see here. So this is in Hudson, New Hampshire. Cleanup cleanup efforts are underway after a car crashed into a restaurant on Lowell Road. Uh, on Wednesday of last week. So employees of Mickey's New York Pizza called first responders around 1.30 p.m. on Wednesday as they saw a car crash into the dining room section of the restaurant. No one inside the restaurant was hurt, something that Tony Nasser, the owner of the restaurant, called a miracle. Um, I mean, it says... Things happen. Was it Yeah, the owner says he isn't sure what happened that led to the crash. Uh, Oh, okay, here we go. I got an opinion on that. So police say the driver of the car, an 82-year-old woman from Hudson, was taken to the hospital for non-life-threatening injuries. Okay. The driver was going south on Lowell Road and lost control and crossed the the road and collided with the restaurant. That's some serious Uh, damage. I'm watching the video. Yeah. That's impressive. So she just went into the opposite lane and this like, ooh. Yeah. (laughs) She went like, I mean. Oh, yeah. She really threaded the needle because you got to get past a, a, a stairway and a tree to get into the perfect location. Exactly. So, yeah. Maybe she had a medical medical problem. I think it's time for her kids to take the keys away from from grandma. <laughs> for sure, 
That's always a tough thing yeah. when uh, the elders have to get the keys taken, but sometimes it it's necessary. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this one's necessary. <laughs> what gives you that idea? <laughs> I mean, she draw. Look at this. She's probably hungry I mean, for I'll, a slice. Come on, bro. <sighs> She's pretty good, though. She threaded the like I said. She threaded the needle perfectly because it's not easy to get where she was. Uh, so. We should get uh, dolls and pops to give us some feedback on this one. Oh my god, we should drive a car through dolls and pops <laughs> pizza place. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I don't think it's happened yet. Knock on wood. I hope not. I yeah. hope not. We had it happen. Uh, uh, oddly enough, an elderly driver, uh, once again, I don't know if that's a pattern, but they drove through our Dunkin' Donuts in Amesbury last year. <laughs> I vaguely remember that one. Yeah. yeah. I think what dolls and pops so, have, to have to worry about more than cars is the fact that they're next to a train track. That's even worse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, but anyway, I'll, t- I'll tell you after the show stomp, but a <laughs> guest of ours may or may not have done this before. A crash into a pizza place? Or into a building. Oh, hell yeah. We'll have to have this I'll person on, an anonymous yeah. guest. We'll put well, the voice changer they, on. They, they've been a guest. I'll, I'll, <laughs> you, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you later. Okay. I'll tell you later. <laughs> I may tell you to remove this from the edit. Uh, that's anyway, funny. Uh, We'll let the audience guess who it may be. <laughs> anyway, um, there's a movie coming out about a case that happened in the summer of 1939 on Mount Katahdin. So this is the story of, um, oh, geez, how did I forget his name here? I didn't put it in. So it's the story of Don Fendler. Yeah. So Don Fendler was a 12-year-old. And he was hiking Mount Katahdin with his family in the summer of 1939. There was a storm. He got um, separated from his family, and then he was lost for nine days in the summer of 1939. So he made his way down a drainage. Okay. And eventually, so he had no food. He was able to drink water, obviously. Um, You know, the rule of three, right? It's like... Three hours with no shelter, mm-hmm. three weeks with no water, three months with no food. But um, three days with no water. Oh, three days with no water. That's yeah. right. I forget what it is. Anyway, so he lost 16 pounds. He was covered in insect bites. Uh, but he, w- he was able to follow a drainage. Eventually, he found like a telephone line and he was able to make his way to like a hunting or a fishing cabin and he was located safely after nine days. And eventually, he wrote a book called Lost on a Mountain in Maine. And wow. it's a pretty. You know, pretty common book for like I think middle school or high school kids to read in in Maine. So uh, he died in like 2016, I think, at the age of 90 years old. But there's a movie coming out. Um, I would about see his this. Story. That's that sounds What's interesting. That? I would see that. That sounds interesting. Oh, I would absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's so. it's really interesting. So there's two things about that. I mean, before you go into it, so if you get lost. Um, People typically get lost on drainages. They think it's a trail. They follow the drainage down. Then all of a sudden, they're they're in the middle of nowhere. But if you remain lost, I mean, that's one way to get down is just to keep on following that drainage, follow the water. And that's what happened here, apparently, right? He followed a drainage and found a telephone line? Yeah, he found found telephone poles and, and then just followed his way into a camp, apparently. Yeah, wow. That's super, super lucky. Yep. Yeah, but it took them nine days. So um, these films are interesting because they're really hard to make. Because, like, I will say, like the 
um, Society of the Sun, that story about the uh, Uruguayan plane crash. I mean, these stories can be, these movies can be difficult to make because it's sort of like one person in the woods and you're filming their adventures. So, you know, how do you keep that entertaining? But um, I think like Society of the Snow, they did a fantastic job with that. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle the pacing of a movie like this. Yeah, nine days, that's a long time. And especially yeah. uh, finding the right actor, too, a young boy. Yeah, his name is, um, let me see. Do, do, do. It stars Luke David Bloom as Fendler. Huh. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know who that is. I wonder if it's uh, Orlando's prodigy. <laughs> Another Bloom. Oh yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, I don't know. Looks good. Check it out. Doesn't look like he's got much of a resume, so he might be an unknown type of guy. Maybe, uh, maybe Slasher can rent out a theater and go see it, and we buy everybody popcorn. That would, that would be fun. That would be, fun. <laughs> that would be a good time. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> we all know that hiking a mountain can be hard at times, so here's a corny dad joke to help you get over it. All right, Stomp, this is the part of the show where I do a dad joke, and I didn't pick one out ahead of time. Damn. I know. Mrs. Stomp was telling me you had one that she posted recently, but it doesn't work for audio. It was a Peter Pan pun. Do you remember that one? Oh, something like that. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) All right. So, again, thanks to my friends Lance and Camilla for the the 365 days of dad jokes. So, Stomp, what musical instrument is found in the bathroom? Um. Oh man, I'm always bad at guessing these things. Uh, I I give up. A tube of toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> They're always so obvious when you hear the the answer. Yes. Oh man, that's a good one. Yeah. Yep. Hey, what's that sound? It must be time for the pop culture segment with Mike and Stomp. Uh, okay, Stomp, this is the part of the show where we do pop culture. Yeah, we had a bunch of random things going on here. I've been busy sort of binging stuff. But I just heard the, yeah. uh, the inventor of the Pop-Tarts pass. Can you believe it? Yeah, that that's a that's a um a loss to the hiking community. I feel like I think uh, pop tarts are a pretty common food. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. the the, uh, the inventor or co creator of the pop tarts passed away. Rest in peace, Mister Bill Post, uh, Grand Rapids uh, Christian High School graduate. So uh, yeah, he had time in World War II, and uh, he's credited with bringing the legendary hiking snack. Pop-Tarts to life. Yeah, Pop-Tarts, I mean, the hikers are into that. Man. There's like six-year-olds are into that. And then like yeah. people that smoke a lot of pot are into those too, I think. They are fantastic, but they are super, super processed. Holy moly. Yeah. Not the, yeah if you're yeah. watching your waistline, I don't know. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Not, I never, I never, had, I don't think I've ever had a Pop-Tart in my life. Are you serious? Never. Oh, no. dude, they're so I don't good. like fruity... I don't like fruity pastry. Sure, but they have different flavors. They have multiple flavors. Chocolate, you name it. 
I never, I don't know. I just never, I've never had one. Okay. Well, listeners can send Mike a box of Pop-Tarts. Uh, I will not eat them. P.O. I'll box. toss them in the trash. <laughs> just kidding. No, I will <laughs> toss them in the trash. Um, uh, it, which is odd because I'm not really a picky eater. I just I don't <laughs> like Pop-Tarts. Oh, that's too much. Okay. Well, Stomp, people are getting rich off the Super Bowl. So $7,500 was the cheapest ticket for a Super Bowl ticket. What? Come on. Yeah. Are you serious? $7,500 was the cheapest Super Bowl ticket. How does that happen? What? what? It's in Las Vegas. I don't know. That don't is know crazy. That well, I've noticed that to get a ticket these days, there are all kinds of these resale scams and whatever else, but that's a lot of money. Holy moly. Even, yeah, I think... Go ahead, yeah. I think that they um, they have these computer bots that are really good at like buying tickets and stuff, but I don't know about the Super Bowl. I feel like the Super Bowl is different. Like You have to be like a season ticket holder, and they set aside a certain amount for like the San Francisco and Kansas City fans. Or so. I don't really know how that works, but I can tell you I did see a video about the cost of luxury seating so they had these couches where you can fit like 16 people in one couch and eight people in another and they were showing that i think the couch that was in the end zone that's like right in the front row was something like two million dollars for 16 people so i don't know you do the math on that divide it by that because one hundred fifty thousand dollars or something but yeah uh, it's super expensive but apparently in las vegas people have a lot of money to blow and they seem to be happy to do that. I, I mean, it's not my thing, clearly, but it's expensive. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yep. That's nuts, but certainly yeah. out of my range. I mean, if it was like yep, maybe a thousand bucks cheaper, I'd probably go for it, but... Yeah, maybe if people <laughs> sent us some coffee, then we'll, you know, we'll be able to, to, uh, to do that. But um, All right, so next up, you have True Detective Season 4. I have never watched the show. I wow. know everyone tells me to watch Season 1. Everyone seems to be giving up on Season 4, as best I can tell, but I don't know what your, what your thoughts are. Oh, man, the first, the first season was great with Matthew McConaughey and um, Harrison, but the second and third seasons, meh, not so much, but this fourth season is very cool, Mike. You're going to really dig it if you get into it. Um, okay. It mixes detective, the whole detective foundation along with the supernatural. Um, it's, it's placed in a deep north, you know, winter uh, bound, dark location, and it's really good. It's phenomenal. Okay. Yeah, getting really great ratings. Um, so I don't want to give anything away about it, but uh, it's been phenomenal. All right. I heard a lot of people giving up on it, but Stop, if you said that you, you're keeping going, I'm oh. going to keep going. I'll, I'll watch it. Then. Oh, yeah. It's it's really good. Well, if that doesn't work for you, then I've been binging the... Uh, the you're going to laugh at this. This is so funny. The Sarah Connor Chronicles. I didn't even know they existed. So, yeah, I, I really haven't watched those. Yeah, I made my way through the Terminator series recently, and then I started watching this thing, which I discovered. But it's like this two season long thing of the Sarah Connor time in between uh, after she survives the first movie to Judgment Day. And uh, it's really funny, but it's be- the more it goes on, it more it becomes more like a soap opera. Yeah, it's yeah. really funny. But yeah, I've been enjoying that. All right. Well, I've been busy with playing my Harry Potter video games. Oh, you're so still I've been, on that? I've been watching too much TV. Yeah, I'm still playing. Oh, that's great. How about uh, I'm on level like 17 right now, Stomp. I got all kinds of magical powers. You got the boss levels coming up? Like, where are no, you not, in this? Not yet. Voldemort? Not yet. 
<laughs> Not yet. I think I got about a couple of months to go. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I've said, did you see the, the preview for A Quiet Place, day one? No, what is that? Wow. So the Quiet Place series, um, this Quiet Place 1 and 2, where these aliens attack and they're sensitive to noise, so everybody has to be silent as a mouse. But this new one, the preview just dropped, and it looks unbelievable. Just incredible Is effects. it the one with Sandra Bullock? No, no. No, Bird. that's Bird Box, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Different okay. concept. That's visual. This one is uh, hearing. This is audio. So these aliens are sensitive to noise. So everybody tiptoes around and is super quiet. But um, this reminds me of like a Spielberg type of approach where it's just incredible jump scenes, like just explosive scenes and the CGI looks top notch. So I'm looking forward to that. That's out in June. Uh, okay. So yeah. Hey, any news on um, Game of Thrones stuff? Uh, I think it is out later this summer. Okay. So looking forward to it. I did it. look at there was some casting news of people that I you know were being cast, but I, I haven't really paid much attention. But yeah, I think it's like late summer. Okay. Definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. So that's pop culture. Let's see. We're moving into our first sponsor, Fieldstone Kombucha, New England's premium craft kombucha company. If you're in the heart of New England, you need to drink a New England style kombucha. Softer, less acidic, and truly enjoyable, our kombucha is naturally effervescent and boasts full-bodied flavor. Fieldstone crafts the best seasonal flavors. When we tell you there's blueberries in our baby bandit flavor, it nearly turns your tongue blue. Women-owned and operated, we brew in Rhode Island using whole, locally sourced ingredients. Fieldstone Kabucha is the perfect replenishing drink after a day on the slopes or a trek in the woods. It's chock full of probiotics and healthy acids to keep you in top form. Find us at Biederman's in Plymouth, Mad River Coffee House in Canton, that's where I, that's where I get mine, and the Concord Food Co-op and more. Check out our website for the full list of New Hampshire and New England-wide locations and use code Slasher, S-L-A-S-R, on our website for 10% off an online order shipped straight to your door. Fieldstone, kombuchaco.com. Um, just a reminder, if you want to support the podcast, you can donate at the coffee, buy me a coffee website for Slasher, and uh, you can leave us a note, and we generally will post those notes on the Instagram uh, just to give you a prop and say thank you. And then also, we have a return of 48 Peaks Alzheimer's. They are back, and they're gearing up for their event this summer. So use your passion for hiking to help end Alzheimer's. In one collective effort, 400-plus hikers will climb New Hampshire's 4,000-footers or create their own challenge to support the mission of the Alzheimer's Association. The annual hiker celebration will take place Saturday, June 8th, at Reckless Brewing Company with raffles, food, and an amazing community. Hike that weekend or any day you want. No fundraising minimums required, but those who raise $100 will receive this year's performance-grade purple t-shirt. Let's turn the White Mountains purple to end Alzheimer's. Visit alts.org, that's A-L-Z dot org, right slash the number 48 peaks to learn more. Very cool. Yes, yeah, we got a great sponsor. Yeah, that's like the first sign of spring. Forget Puxatawney Phil, the old 48 Peaks. 
plug is the first sign of spring. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But unfortunately, it's like minus 30 wind chill. <laughs> Mother true, Nature true. didn't get the message. Right. Hey, hold my beer. It's time to find out what Mike and Stomp are drinking. On this week's Beer Talk... Stump, this is the part of the show where we talk about what beer we are drinking. Oh, well, let me, let me go first here, I guess. I'm drinking. You're going to have to carry both of us tonight. Oh, really? Okay. So I'm drinking yeah. a, a Glen Ellis. That look cool? Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So this is by the uh, Schilling Brewery up in Littleton, and it's the Resilience line. So it's Glen Ellis India Pale Ale at 7.2% alcohol volume. And uh, it's very, very tasty. Trying to get some more details on it, but uh, let's see. Yeah, it's a side project. The resilience line is really good, Mike, if you're ever up there and you want to get some uh, four packs or growlers or whatnot. So um, it's a side project of the brewers at Schilling. They craft bold and expressive new world beers that embody the struggles and triumphs of our journey. Hmm. Very cool. I like it. Awesome. Yeah, it's great stuff. Don't worry, I got you covered. Yeah, yeah. I just um I'm I'm just recovering. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm just recovering from a little cold, so Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. I'm just drinking water right now. Yeah, no worries. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. So I'll be back. I did pick up uh inspired by Patrick, I picked up a four pack of sixty two eighty eight Tuckerman um stout, but oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Just not ready to drink it yet. Sure, sure. I knew we should have gone left back there. Stomp, don't worry. I know it's this way. I've got a feeling in my gut. Uh, are you sure you're not about to have a bowel emergency? <laughs> uh, totally. We got this. But I just blew out my hip. Fell down that gully with my 40-year-old microspikes. Suck it up, Stomp. It's 4 p.m. We're at 3,500 feet. We got nine miles back to the parking lot. Your leg may be broken. We got no cell connection, and we can't feel our fingers. But we're finishing all of my list tonight. <sighs> By the way, I need some water. I'm empty. I would if I could see what I'm doing, but my headlamp batteries are dead. You gotta be kidding me. What a chump. This is the last time I hike with you. Psh, ha, whatever, mister. Do you know me? I have a podcast. Psh, whatever. Let's find out what Mike and Stomp have been hiking. All right, so what, what's going on for hikes? Recent hikes. So this is the part of the show where we do recent hikes. So I was able to get up. Nobby Hikes ruined my, my planned hike to go over to Jackson because he lost his gloves. So I went back the following weekend. So last Saturday, I think it is, I, yeah. uh, I, went, I took a co-worker of mine, Felipe, and then um, Steve from the Cape. Okay. He joined us. So the three of us formed a little group and went up to the Crawford Path. We went straight to the Mount Pierce Summit, and then we went over to Mizpah Hut, had a little break there, and then went over from Mizpah over to Jackson and then down Jackson. So it was a good, you know, eight or nine mile hike, and uh, it was like spring, springtime weather. It, was, it must have been 60 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was the Saturday, you said? Yeah, yeah, you know that like oh. open bog area between uh, Jackson and Pierce, like you get to that yeah. like boggy area right below Jackson. So, Correct. Like, it had to have been sixty degrees right there. Oh yeah, there's no wind in there too. 
there's no wind and it was like a bowl of just sun hitting it. It was like so warm. It's really funny because I was guiding that day and I, it was so hot. I was on Mount Clinton Road because that's mm-hmm. open for sledding and it's a dead end. So I take people down there. It's actually the best snow in the area, but it was so hot, dude. Holy moly. Yeah, yeah. But it was fun. It was Felipe's first winter hike. So he's done a lot of hiking with his wife and dogs. Um, a lot of waterfall stuff uh-huh. in the whites. But he was like, I really want to go on a winter hike. So I, we set, we planned this weekend. Like months ago, I was like, I'll take you. Let's just set this as the weekend. And I kept looking at the weather. And I was like, oh, the weather's not going to It doesn't look that good. It's going to be like no views. And then I was right. thinking like, maybe I'll go down to Musilaki and then we'll, we'll get a little bit of opening. But it was like perfect when we got up there views out to you couldn't see mount washington was a little cloud cover but everything else was perfect yeah and um the weather was great he was feeling great you know you never know what the cardio is going to be like for a new hiker he had never used snowshoes before so that was the one thing we had to wear snowshoes once we got up to the summit um like the section between pierce and mizpah was like Post whole city if you weren't wearing snowshoes. So we all had yeah. snowshoes, which is good. I bet, yeah. And then the, the section between Mizpah and <clears throat> Jackson would have been impossible to do without snowshoes. You would have been stepping in like crazy. Falling in, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's the second time uh, you've been up there in like two weeks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of done with uh, with that, that <laughs> area for now. But. Had enough. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, it's fun. And I, I brought my sled. We sled. We were sledding down. There was like a high school group there from Westford mm-hmm. that was, um, you know, we were going back and forth with them. They, they thought the sleds were pretty cool. So yep. it was good. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I was just busy guiding. Um, Saturday, it was so warm that the snow melted and they they should have called it Saturday, but we showed up Sunday morning. We had a couple um, groups of people show up and it had frozen solid but it was not groomed so you can imagine what that's like all the divots and rivets and just everything frozen solid Uh, what we try to do is we'll go out quick for maybe half an hour I went south towards uh, Zealand Road my other buddy went towards uh, Jefferson Notch just to check out the conditions and we called it I mean it was so dangerous it was just unmaneuverable. So uh, the good news is that we're open again for the weekend. So that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that. They're getting like four inches tonight. So that should be enough to get us going again. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So so you think it's gonna you, you're going to be able to get out there? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it doesn't okay. take much to resurrect it. But uh, if you've been reading the fishing game reports, holy moly, there's been a lot of crashes. There's just too many to even cover for the search and rescue section. But yeah, a lot of rentals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But anyway, well, keep them safe out there, Stomp. Yep, doing my best. Doing my best. Oh, by the oh, way, I got my pack. I got my uh, low pack. Oh yeah, yeah. That I saw a video up. of you like um, displaying it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about it. It's more of a rucksack. It doesn't have the side zippers, but that's fine. Um, yeah, I'm super impressed with it. It looks smaller than 65 liters, but. Okay. Uh, it, yeah, it's fine with me. And uh, yeah, we'll try it out soon. Can't wait to check it out. Right on. Look what I have. What do you I have? Know, obviously, this is a podcast, not a video, but oh, I've got these like um, down, down booty things. Yeah. These are gray so, down boots for camp, right? Yep. Yep, when I get to the hut. Okay. And I got to I gotta wake up at 2 in the morning, wake everybody up to go pee. I'm going to put on my down <laughs> booties and hopefully... 
not make too much noise. That should be a great time. It's time for Slasher's Notable Hike of the Week. If you want to be considered for the Hike of the Week, simply tag Slasher on your social media post. Um, all right, Stomp, we have a whole backlog of notable listener hikes of the week here that we're going to get through. <clears throat> yes, so if you want to tag Slasher for your adventure, do so, and we will consider you for Slasher's Hike of the Week. And uh, let's see, let's start with Liz Fay. Liz Fay hiked Bald Mountain in Stoddard. Oh, nice. Yeah, Mountain Ginger hiked up Indian Head. Uh, solo, which that's a beautiful hike, especially if you're a solo hiker and you want to try something and get a little brave on your own for your first solo. It's a great mm-hmm. hike. EC Banks hikes got up lonesome and he's nursing a knee. Uh, Ethan, oh, uh, no. wish you the best and uh, hope that's healing up for you because you got a busy running season coming up very yeah, shortly. Yeah. Don't run through the pain. Rest, rest. Yeah, rest it up. The time of the year. Gingerbeard Keen hiked Mariah for 41 out of the winter 48. And also did uh, Madison and Adams, which he called Madams. That's pretty funny. I'd never heard that before. That's a good one. I never heard that. <laughs> for 42 and 43. What Donna Hamilton photographs hiked North and South Doublehead. That area looks beautiful. I got to get over there. Yeah, yeah. I've never been over there in winter. I've only been on that in the, the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I've seen it from different peaks, and they look beautiful. Um, we, have, we got tagged a couple times by Carrie Burrell. Uh, she tagged us for North and Mid-Tri-Pyramid for 29 and 30 for the winter 48, and then just recently did North and South Twin for 32 and 33. Seems like we're... Oh, she's going for it, huh? Yeah, she is. Yeah, for sure. Coco Gorm hiked Mount Washington, and it was an attempt. They attempted to go up to the summit by Lion's Head and ultimately had to turn back. Um, Laura Eli, Little Beehive, Lake Louise, and brought along Barbie. Oh, that's a trend. I like it. <laughs> we don't want this uh, site to turn into a Barbie site. We already had. I a, do. We already I had do. a cat Everyone site. Post Barbie. <laughs> I, I'm a Barbie fan. Oh, all right. Let's see here. Uh, Nature Boy six oh three. Woo! Hiked the Hancocks. You know what that is? Nature Boy six oh three. No, I don't. You know, you know the Nature Boy, Ric Flair? No, I have no idea. Oh, no, I know who Ric Flair is. He's a comic, right? No, wait. wait. No, oh, no. No, I yeah, saw him never recently. Never going to be able to poke a game with me. He's a professional wrestler. No, that's right. I saw him recently. I say comic because he was on the uh, Kill Tony show recently. That's why I said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like, his big thing is he's like, woo, he makes that noise. So okay. that's when you said Nature Boy, I immediately said, woo. But you didn't get it because you're not a bro, bro. Oh, my God. Have you seen him lately? I'm not. I'm totally not. Yeah. But he's he's yeah. fried, dude. That that guy is fried. <laughs> oh yeah, he's like <laughs> he's he's like um, his blood is like fifty percent alcohol. Oh, I, I would guess. Holy moly! Yep. All right, Nature Boy six hundred three. So Hancock's eleven and twelve for the single season forty eight. That's pretty cool. And that would be the it's winter pr- season. It's, get, it's getting late though, isn't it for the single season? Uh, yep. I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? And then our fave, Dave Shits in the Woods. Uh, he did Ragged Mountain and Ragged West. And um, it was funny. When I was looking at this list earlier, I didn't see his name. I'm like, oh, my God, he didn't tag us. Then sure enough, I, I saw this one in the middle here. So, uh, 
Ragged Mountain. I'm not sure where that is. Is that's not a ski place, is it? I'm not sure. Huh. You have All to right. message him and find out. All righty. So got a couple more here. Kimmy Fit seventy one. The dynamic duo hit Franconia Ridge. Let's say again. Solo up Moose and South Peak on a Bluebird Day. Laurie Eli. Dog sledding in Banff. There you go. That's that's what we're looking for for these tags. That that's pretty cool fresh. Yeah. Absolutely. That that would that be, might have to be the. Uh, we'll see. We'll keep going. That that may be the winner. You we'll know see. that you can do this here in New Hampshire. There are there are teams of dogs that uh, go out uh, in Randolph. So if you're curious about trying that, it is available in New England. Uh, that's great. So hiking feed my, feeds my soul. Mount. Potash with Miles the Dog for 26 out of 52. Full Strength Coffee tackled north and mid Tri-Pyramid. That's, uh, that's a popular route, huh? Via Pine yep. Bend Brook. S.S. Skinner, O.S. Oh, Skinner 519 finished second round of the 48 on Mount Cabot. And he was listening, he or she was listening to the podcast. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Every download counts. Littlefoot, Tri-Pyramids once again for 47 out of 48. L.B. Boyd, Mount Jackson, and uh, apparently met some guy named Mike, who who has a podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's Laura, <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, that was per- actually perfect timing, Laura, because I was with my coworker, and I don't think he knew, like... I- he knew I had a podcast, but I don't think he re- like it didn't connect with him that it, people actually listened to it, and it was cool to like be in the parking lot. And she was like, "Hi!" So, <laughs> you know, Felipe. I think Felipe was kind of like, "What's going on?" <laughs> so that was great, great to meet Laura. Yep. Oh, super cool. And then I think finally here we have uh, Gingerbeard, and uh, he did a Z Bonds Traverse, and he argues that Gio is the crown jewel, quote unquote, of the Traverse. And yeah, I say, that's pretty sweet. I say, do you agree? I, I think there is competition. I mean, Boncliff is epic, and then oh, I yeah. think West. Bon- I mean, it's tough. That's yeah. a t- that, that that that's a bold statement. Well, Gio for its its view is neat, but it reminds me of Mountain Height. That that's the competition I would cite as being similar yeah. to Gio and as spectacular, but maybe not as broad and large as Gio is. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh boy. I got a lot of friends on this list. This is uh, <laughs> So full full strength coffee by the way. I also saw him on he didn't post us, so he didn't tag us on this, but I he was out with the 48 48- um, the veterans on the 48 crew on right, Mount Pierce. Right, right. So I saw him. But I think the... All right, I'm going to go the dog sledding in Banff. So Laura, Eli. There you go. There it oh, is. Yeah. I feel bad. Like there's little foots on there and ginger beard and... What about Dave? Camilla and Lance are on there. <laughs> Dave, no, Dave, no. He doesn't get one. But everybody, I mean, oh. Right. I, I, Laura Eli dog sledding in Banff. She gets it. All right, you know it's a burden, but uh, you got to somebody's got to carry it, Mike. You're a good man. I'm sorry, Camilla and Lance. I love you guys, but it's just it's not dog sledding in Banff. Correct. Correct. Okay. All right. Moving on to the next segment. Slasher's hiking topic of the week. I had a couple of um, like history segments and stuff like that, but I don't. I feel like I need more time. And oh, of course. We don't have the time tonight, so I thought that it would be cool just to talk through the planning for a winter AMC hot stay, especially considering it's going to be super cold yeah. here. So 
important. Uh, yeah, so I'm in the middle of doing this right now. Matter of fact, uh, you interrupted my planning with this dumb, dumb podcast. So <laughs> I was just looking at uh, the map. So it looks like it's a three and a half mile road walk. So we got to park and then walk up the road to Zeeland, and then it's another three miles to get into the winter hut. So for AMC, the winter huts are self-service. So there is a caretaker there, but essentially you're kind of on your own as far as cooking, and there is water available at the hut, and there's a there's, there's bathroom facilities as well, but it's unheated. Hmm. I think they do run a stove for a couple of hours at night. So if you're going to go there, the way we're going to time this out is we're going to try to get there by like five o'clock or so. Yeah. And then, you know, the sun will be setting and then the stove will go on and we'll hang out. I'm going to bring an extra battery pack with me so I can listen to a podcast or two. Yeah. Uh, I'll probably, I might even bring like a book that's not too heavy just so I can just chill out and read. And I don't think there's cell connection in Zealand. I mean, maybe there is, but I'm, I'm not going to rely on it. Um, but yeah, that's essentially it. And then you you pay $40 if you're a non-member and like $30 if you're a member to get a spot in a bunkhouse, which is unheated. So what I'm bringing is my zero-degree sleeping bag. And then depending on how much extra weight I have, I may bring my 20-degree quilt and just double up because that thing is so light. Yeah. that I can just sort of wrap it around because I'm a little bit nervous about how cold it's going to be. No kidding. Yeah, wow. So, But the other thing I could do is try to use that bivy that right. you talked about. And, and encase your bag. But I th- see, that's the question I have. It's like the bivy is going to capture condensation. Yeah. So yeah. that's probably not ideal. Right. So I'll probably just go with my zero-degree bag and maybe bring my 20-degree my and just double up. It's so light, and I'm not. Ha- I don't have to bring a sleeping pad, so I'm going to bring a sit pad. Um. So yeah, I think that you know I'll bring my my pillow, and what do you mean uh, pillow? That's pretty much a large pillow. Well, I have a little blow up. I have a little blow up pillow. Oh, that I use. gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, what do you? I doing? did plan for cooking snob so oh, i was just going to ask you that are you bringing a stove so the way it works is you can't use a stove inside the huts as far as i understand they have um a propane stove that you can use and you sign up to access it in 30 minute like increments yeah so your group can like sign up and then you have to like use their water for like cleaning the the pots and stuff and your silverware okay so what I typically do and what um, my friend Jonathan taught me this is you make like a stew or some sort of shredded meat, <clears throat> whatever the whatever the, the meal is. Um, what I did this time is sometimes I'll make beef stew with like potatoes and carrots and whatever. But this time I, I what I did is I did um, it's like, like a cheddar cheese, chicken and rice mix in the crock pot. So I, I take like three chicken breasts i take two cans of cream of chicken soup and then a can of cheddar cheese soup cook those down in the crock pot then i put a thing of rice in them so i've got the chicken and the rice i shred the the chicken up and then simmer it down so it's basically like a thick kind of paste and then from there i can freeze it in the shape of my pot yeah you know i put it in my pot and i freeze it in that shape 
in a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. And then when I get to the hut, I'll I'll pour a little bit of water in it and then reheat it up so it's sort of like a shredded chicken and rice meal. And it's really hearty and it's it's good. Yeah, it sounds great. It's a good good yeah, method. Yeah. And then we're gonna bring some bread with us so we'll have that. All right. Um so yeah, so that's it. But you can do that in the crock pot with anything. Like you can do beef stew. You just simmer it down so that it's it's not a lot of liquid. <laughs> um, you can do that with like, you know, shredded beef, anything. So it works out. All right. Um, interesting. So who's going with you? I've got um, Steve from the Cape. I got Jakester and my fr- and um, our friend Peter. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So sorry, I can't f- go. You know, th- th- yeah, yeah. So, th- you know, we're all pretty experienced. And then with the weather situation, the goal is to do a Z-Bonge Traverse. Uh, we're all kind of in agreement. We all were exchanging messages and we're all sort of like, you know, we just want to do the overnight and have fun. If we if the wind chill is going to remain at like minus 35 degrees and the wind conditions look like they're going to be pretty fast, like we're, we're not going across the ponds. Hell no. So Hell no. We'll, yeah. just, we'll just hike up to heel and then call it a day. Well, which is interesting too, because with the, the forecast of snow, you're talking about like a 25% chance according to basic ground level forecast. So it could be pretty gnarly up there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. If the assuming that the weather doesn't change and the reports don't change, then it's probably a no go. I mean, we we do have a car at Lincoln Woods, but it's very likely a no go. And you know, I think we're, we're the good thing about this group is that we've all sort of communicated ahead of time. None of us are going to force anybody to say like, "Oh, well, I'm doing it, and you got to come along." It's like we're oh hell no, we're just settling on. You know, it's probably not going to be a traverse, and we'll just go up to Mount Hill, or we'll go up to Zealand and come back, and then call it a day. Yeah, yeah, it sounds reasonable. Yeah, yep. So interesting. Um, I've got my instant coffee with me for breakfast. I'll bring probably, you know, some sort of a like. I usually bring like a like a pre-made, just pour water in and eggs and bacon or something like that. Yeah. So. I'll bring that. Do you and, bother um, boiling water for your Nalgene so you can stick it in your sleeping bag? That's really handy if you're chilly. I've done that before. Yeah. So um, I may do that. Yep. We'll see. Um, yeah, that definitely works. I've got those electric hand warmers as well that I'm going to put into my socks uh, to see how those go. And I'll have a bunch of other um, hand warmers available. I'm bringing earplugs. Um, this is snoring guests yeah yeah i was thinking about bringing some beer but i'm afraid the beer is going to freeze as we hike in there and it'll explode so i'm not going to mess around with that so tell you what i'll bring up uh some pizza and beer on my snowmobile straight to the uh, hut for you that's a good that's a a good good deal um what else is there so yeah i think that You know, the earplugs is going to be critical. The biggest thing I'm worried about and I always get nervous about is like my, my contact lenses and my glasses situation. So I don't want to have to wear glasses. So I want to make sure I can get my contact lenses in in the morning. Are you planning? It's on- always a tricky thing. Okay. So that's really interesting. So do you wear goggles all day long then to, pr- to protect your contacts? No, no, I don't need to. I just like, it's difficult. I take them out when I um, go to bed. Yeah, and then um, I don't know I've got to put a new work. pier in. Yeah, I've got to put in a new pair of contact lenses in the morning, so yep. it's difficult to put them in when it's that cold because it can literally freeze that quickly. 
Okay, but no cold sub-zero weather doesn't affect your contacts, just in general. No, 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 it doesn't. Okay, um, it just you know they're t- they're they're attached to your eyeballs, so, so they stay heated. Warm. They're heated by yeah. your eyeballs. Correct. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, so it'd be good. I'm, I mean, I'm going to be pretty heavy. It just is what it is. I'd rather yeah. be comfortable and, and carry in some extra weight than to be cold and uncomfortable and hungry. So I'll, I'll bring more food than I need. I'll bring more sleeping stuff than I need. But, you know, that from my perspective, that's the better way to do it is to, you know, bring the stuff you need to be comfortable to stay at the hut. Of course. Yeah. Well, either way, it'll be a really nice time. Nice time spent with some good people. Yes. And, yep. uh, you know, following recent events, you, you got to play it safe, especially with this oh, yeah. type of scenario. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, it's just like I was. Lo- I looked at the the higher summits forecast yesterday, and then I looked at it this morning, and then I hear you reading it again tonight, and it's yep. like eh, it's just this isn't the weekend. True, true, true that. But uh, yep. we're all looking forward to the uh, picture of you on the hut <laughs> on top of yes. the roof. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the naked the naked hiker on the roof <laughs> yelling at everybody. So, just kidding. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, we're not encouraging okay. that. <laughs> All right, Snoff. So this is um, we got a sponsor here. So Vaucluz. Vaucluz Gear. Yes, one of our longest uh, sponsors to date here. I do not have one for my new pack, but I will have to purchase one. So let's see here. Yes. I'm trying to find the ad spot. Here we go. Vaucluz Gear. Does your backpack not provide enough ventilation? Does your back sweat? Too much when backpacking? As you know, sweat can be extremely uncomfortable on the trails. Plus, sweat is a serious risk factor in both hot and cold climates. As your clothes get wet, your core temperature can dramatically fluctuate. This can result in hypothermia, heat exhaustion, and dehydration. Let's not forget, it's just plain old very uncomfortable. Today's your lucky day because we have good news for you. There's a piece of gear that solves the sweat and ventilation problem, making your backpack more comfortable. Vaucluse Gear's Ultralight Backpack Ventilation Frame. This ultralight frame is a backpack accessory that easily installs in your favorite pack, sizes 15 liters to 45 liters and creates a ventilating airflow gap between you and your pack. It's also ultralight, weighing around 3 ounces. That's equivalent to one pair of wool socks. So whether you're hiking in hot or cold temps, the ultralight backpack ventilation frame from Vaucluse Gear is a real game changer regarding airflow and ventilation. So visit vauclusegear.com to order a an ultralight ventilation frame today. Use promo code SLASHER, that's S-L-A-S-R, to enjoy a $5 discount. Plus, let them know that Mike and Stomp sent you. Tell them Stomp sent you. <laughs> hey, we got to get through this search and rescue so you can get some hot tea and go to bed. Right, right. So uh, I got to pack up. So Yeah, let's do this. So, 
couple of national news articles here. Stop. So, um, this happened in January 22nd, uh, Waterfall Canyon in Colorado. Um, there was a, uh, so this was a snowboarder. And this is interesting. So this is the Colorado Avalanche Information Center. So they give a bunch of background on the the conditions and some of the tests that they uh, that they run. But essentially, this was a, uh, a friend. Friends reported that a rider was overdue on the evening of January twenty second. So San Miguel Search and Rescue flew an unmanned aerial drone for a search, but they were unable to complete a thorough search before nightfall. So a friend of the rider. Um, went up and followed his tracks up a well-used route to the top of a frequent, frequently skied slope. The friend saw a single set of tracks descending the slope, but it was too dangerous to descend, so he returned to um, Ophir, which is like the town that they were close to. And then on the morning of January 23rd, Telluride Helitrax flew um, San Miguel search and rescue members into the area, and they were able to locate the, um, the snow Snow, um, snowboarder's body from the air, and they were able to recover him. So it looks like um, you know it was a fatal avalanche um, accident, and uh, they were able to reconstruct it from the site evidence. And it looks like he was descending the slope and probably triggered the avalanche high in the starting zone. And the avalanche flushed him through a sparsely treed gully. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the snow gained mass as it flowed over a bench lower in the track. The, the rider was partially buried near the toe of the debris, and his snowboard was broken, and he, he sustained traumatic injuries during the avalanche. So it's yeah. interesting. It looks like he, he traveled about five or 600 feet below the toe of the avalanche. So that's something I don't oh, consider. Like, I always consider people just get buried and suffocate, but mm-hmm. sometimes you can have traumatic injuries just from the snow itself. Oh, of course. It's so heavy. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's a shame. Yep. So that's uh, the risk of backcountry snowboarding. His buddy found you know found the tracks, but they just couldn't get down, and unfortunately, it was too late by then anyway. Right. Right. All right, Stomp. So this next one is um, a weird one. Twenty-seven-year-old experienced hiker vanishes preparing for a two-hundred-mile trek. Wow. So Arizona. Twenty-seven-year-old um, avid hiker disappeared after gathering supplies for. Uh, for a trek in Arizona. So Derek Bowling was last heard January 22nd preparing for his trip in Lake Havasu, um, according to the sheriff's office post. Um, so Bowling is the gentleman's name, had plans for a week-long hike that would take him about 200 miles through remote desert and mountains. Wow. The hike would start east of Havasu and would take him towards Kingman, Arizona. He's an avid, experienced hiker, um, but deputy said he was overdue. He didn't even leave. Uh, it sounds like he just disappeared, like before he left. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. He's five foot seven, one hundred and sixty-one pounds, long brown hair and blue eyes, and they're they're looking for him. Yeah, they 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 included photos that have the gear that he might have with him. But yeah, they don't know if he actually left or uh, if he was just planning on the hike. So who knows what happened? Wow, that's very strange. I mean, he could have. I don't know if they, they didn't mention anything about his vehicle. True. Yep. So huh. uh, that usually uh, that would be the first thing they would look for is the vehicle that he's associated with. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. 
as if he as if he left it at a, a trailhead or something like that. But I think he was hadn't even le- hadn't even left. Maybe it's yeah. Well, we'll keep yeah. an eye out for. Did you look? When did you pull the story, Stomp? Did you look for any updates? Uh, no, I have not. No, this was a recent one though. Within it was a week. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, just a quick look here. Um, it just shows that he's still missing. Okay. No, no change. So, yeah, unfortunately. So we'll keep an eye on on this one. Okay. Um, we've talked about this before, Stomp, around um, sort of thermal imaging mm-hmm. and the use of uh, this technology. So jackpot, watch a heat-seeking drone find a New York hiker. So this is a video of um, how drone technology was able to locate this hiker using heat-seeking uh, technology. So a New York man safe after falling through the ice on a frozen marsh in upstate New York, and it's all thanks to 21st century technology. Winter weather poses many dangers to outdoor enthusiasts with frostbite and hypothermia proving to be two of the most fatal. Yeah. This particular hiker had fallen through ice roughly an inch and a half thick and was practically invisible to the human eye. Luckily, New York State Department of Environmental Conservation was able to call in the reinforcements. He was walking along this marshy area in hip waders when he fell through. Uh, the waders flooded. Um so he had to remove those, move around to keep warm, and then call 911, but they couldn't spot the guy. Yeah. So um, I guess they, they were able to, he was able to call 911, but they didn't know exactly where he was. So they, they kind of had an idea, but they were able to get the drone um, out there, and then they were able to find him. So it took an impressively short 55 minutes between <sighs> the response and the location of the subject who was experiencing mild hypothermia when he was reached by rescue crews. It's crazy. So, um, look at pretty, the, pretty lucky guy. Yeah, you look at the images, though, and they circle where he is in the image, and I can't see a person. It looks like a little like white spot. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And we know that we have the uh, the AI now looking at uh, this data and finding people perhaps quicker. But yeah. I don't know, man. This guy's really lucky. Yeah. I mean, it's like a little spot for sure, but apparently like they can use a drone and then eventually if they add AI to it, the AI can pinpoint and say these are the likely spots yeah. of the images where someone might be. You hear a lot about these waiter incidents where waiters fill up and suck people down the rivers and they're done. That's pretty yeah. terrifying. Yeah, well, I don't. I, don't, uh, I mean, it, it, fishermen use them all the time, but I, I don't know what this guy was doing in cold weather like that. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Wow, crazy. All right. Um, next one. I'm going to skip this yes, Nevada skip avalanche, that. but uh, I, I'm going to go to um, Cathedral Ledge. So this is in New Hampshire, so we got some local ones. Ice climber rescued on Cathedral Ledge after falling nearly, thir- nearly thirty feet. Mm-hmm. So this happened in Bartlett. Um, Cathedral Ledges in Bartlett. That was in Conway, but oh, I it's guess right they, on the edge. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So um, fishing game responded to an ice climbing accident at the base of the Repentance Route around twelve twenty, involving an adult male. So twenty-one year old from Alabama was uh, climbing <laughs> when he fell approximately twenty thirty feet. So this guy was from Alabama. Stomp. There you go. Well, there are probably some good climbers down in Bama. Forrest Gump territory stomp. <laughs> oh, you're going to get us canceled. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so he fell 30 feet. Uh, his partner was able to help lower him down to the ground, and he was later treated by first responders. 
Authorities said Cooper, or the, the, the climber, was transported to Memorial Hospital for a leg injury. So, sounds like he, you know, had a little oopsie. No big deal. Yeah. Came out on, in one piece, thankfully. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, it's luckily, it's been quiet on the hiking rescue, but we did have a man rescued after falling through the ice on the Connecticut River in Monroe. So, um... It's no joke. That's another big yep, river. For sure. Yep, first responders received a report of a man who fell through the ice on the Connecticut River directly below the McIdo Dam, Mm -hmm. McIndo Dam in Monroe. Yeah. Um, So this was, it looks like the fire department rescued him. So the man was not identified. He was ice fishing on the river when suddenly the ice below him collapsed. Yeah. The man did not panic and thrash around in the water. Instead, he rotated onto his back and called for help. So they had more than 10 rescuers respond to the call. Crews were able to tie a rope to a kayak, and the first two responders climbed in and slid out about 100 feet onto the ice towards the man. And then the kayak crew grabbed him by the shoulders and held on while eight or 10 other crew members on land pulled the rope and hoisted the kayak onto the shore. So that's pretty nifty. Yeah, it's the first time I read that. That's a neat technique. It makes sense. Yeah, should yeah, the ice yeah. And it says here, the fail. man was wearing a heavy-duty jacket, which authorities said helped him stay warm enough in the water. Yeah. Huh. Like a down. So it's, it's like a double-edged sword, though, because it's oh, like a sure. heavy jacket. It's going to pull you down, but it'll keep you warm if you don't get pulled down. Yeah. This is one activity you will not see me doing, ice fishing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, mean... I don't trust ice. I hate to say it. It could be like 12 feet thick. I'm not going on it. No, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. My dog fell in... <laughs> in I, I, I had to rescue my dog when I was a kid, and I, I always have been afraid of ice, too. Yeah. Well, rightly so. Yep. Uh, but speaking of dogs, uh, dog tracks sent for over two miles to find a missing child in the freezing cold weather. So this is something you were all excited about this one. Man's best friend coming through again. Isn't this amazing? Look at thing. Two yeah. miles. Yeah, yeah. It looks like uh, it looks like a German Shepherd type of dog, or right. a hound or something. So, yeah. uh, police dog and Matt. Oh, so police dog. So it's probably a German Shepherd. Oh yeah. Um, this pol- police dog is being praised for tracking down a child who was reported missing last week amid freezing temperatures. So this is an Auburn Mass. Yep. Um, so they received a report that a child had left the home without permission as temperatures were in the mid to upper 20s. So officers began to search the area and were joined by troopers from Mass State Police. And then uh, Officer Jungren and his canine partner, Biza, were searching when Biza picked up the kid's scent. And after following Biza for over two miles, officers found evidence that the missing child had recently been in the area. They were able to focus on that particular area and locate the child a short time later. Kid was reunited with his family and is safe. Officers did not say why the child left home or what they were doing over two miles away and it doesn't say how old the kid was but yeah um that's scary yeah i was super lucky uh most of the the uh search and rescue teams that utilize canines a lot of them are german shepherds for sure yes yeah especially the police dogs brilliant yep 
But that's uh, that's all we got, Stomp. So we are caught up to date. And then next week, what do we have? We have a guest. Next we week? have Sir Maps a lot. Eric Hamilton coming on to talk about his books and his mapping activities and his bushwhacking activities. Uh, should be a really nice conversation. Oh, Stomp, you're going to be so excited. <laughs> and uh, let's see. I think that's it. I hope you feel better. Hope you. Hopefully, your plans won't be canned by your your sinus. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. All um, right. I had a question before we don't we have an, a Sasquatch guy coming on or something? Uh, yeah, he's um, he's lined up and he's trying to work out his schedule. This is a hopefully it works out. I mean, he's communicated with me several times and he's a national figure that talks about Yetis and he's an anthropologist and he's a professor and uh, he's just a very busy person. So I will uh, keep you posted on that one. I'm yeah. very excited about this one. So oh, it's going to go be great. Toe to toe with the most famous. Um, <laughs> yeah Bigfoot expert yeah for sure and by the way one last question did you register for yep. Mount Washington no I'm gonna do that I gotta do that tonight okay. I'm in a little chat group with my Emily Hikes crew and uh, uh, Judy was on there and she she was talking about how she registered I have to do that yeah there you go alright alright brother well feel better and uh, we will see you for Sir Maps a lot good luck be safe out there Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stump, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fish and game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots, and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Neeland from New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared. And I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us. <laughs>